Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. All right, it is Thursday, January 12th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a fantastic week. It is, for the first time in 2023, a fight week. Yes, the UFC is back. On Saturday, UFC Vegas 67, it's been a pretty dark start to the year, and I know a lot of people, a lot of fans are excited that fights are back. This Saturday, we have a new main event, Calvin Gaslam no longer fighting Nasruddin Imavov. Imavov will now face Sean Strickland, who took the fight on, it'll end up being, what, five days notice? By the time he steps in there, fight will take place at 205 pounds. Rest of the card is, let me pull it up here. It's not bad. I mean, there's some good fights on it. Danny Gay, Damon Jackson, the co-main event. That's a great fight. Puna Soriano, Roman Kopilov, the featured bout. Big one at 135 between Ketlin Vieira and Raquel Pennington. We haven't seen a women's bantamweight fight in a long-ass time. So that's a good one to come back to. Another Bantamweight fight for the men. We got Umar Nurmagomedov versus Hayoni Barcelos. That's going to be fun. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan versus Claudio Ribeiro. Matush Rebecki versus Nick Fiore. Matush Mendonca versus Javid Basharat. Might be Mateus. Sorry about that. Alan Nascimento versus Carlos Hernandez. Daniel Argueta versus Nick Aguirre. Jimmy Flick's first fight post-retirement. He's back, taking on Charles Johnson, and I'll kick off with Priscilla Cachuera versus Sajara Eubanks. And six fights were scheduled for this card already that are no longer happening. Jeff Molina was supposed to fight Jimmy Flick. 
We mentioned the main event. Supposed to be Gasol Imovov. Jeff Neal, Shafkat Rachmanov supposed to be on this card. David Onama, Jarno Ahrens was supposed to be on this card. Isaac Dolgarian was supposed to make his UFC debut on this card against Daniel Argueta. And Omar Morales was supposed to fight Rebecca. And those fights no longer happening for what appears to be a multitude of, dif- of different reasons. So we will get to your calls to see a lot of you lining up. And certainly there's a lot to talk about in the world of MMA, including, which we'll start off with, because I feel like we've started multiple shows in a row at this, but the story continues to evolve. Dana White spoke with members of the media yesterday. The UFC Vegas 67 media day went down at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, and right as things are about to kick off, right before the fighters are going to take the stage, Dana White unexpectedly unbeknownst to anybody there and anybody else steps up to the microphone, opens things up by saying, I'm here because I want the focus of this media day to be on the fighters and the fights. I don't want this whole media day to be about what I did on new year's Eve. He reiterated a lot of the things he said in the TMZ interview where there's no excuses and he's embarrassed and it's all about his family and his kids and all of that. And then he added on his own, the caveat that I've seen it online. I've seen the comments. Do not defend me. Do not defend me in any way, shape or form. What I did was indefensible. Do not defend me. It's just awful. Don't defend me on me no need to I don't need a defense I'm not defending myself do not defend me that caught a people that, that caught some people in a, in a very positive way and there was a lot and we reacted to this immediately after so I basically watched it David and AK watched it we jumped on a zoom chat we recorded it put it on the podcast network so if you wanted basically our immediate reaction to that scrum you can hear it there. But obviously, I've had multiple hours since then to reflect on everything. And I stand by a lot of what I said, that Dana does deserve credit for stepping up to the plate and facing the MMA media and doing it as quickly as he did. Because I'm sure a lot of you felt the same way I did. We probably weren't going to see him do that for quite some time. And I didn't think we'd see it this quickly. I didn't think we'd see it in Brazil. I didn't think we'd see it till maybe March before the March 4th pay-per-view. Not the case. Stepped up, said what he had to say, took questions. Some of the responses, cool. Some of them I 100% had issues with and disagreed with. And... The big one to me was when he was asked about repercussions and punishment and all of that stuff. Because when Dana gets to that point where he feels like he's back against a corner in some ways, it's all, he tries to flip the question on everybody else. John Morgan asks him, is there going to be any punishment, any repercussion? 
And Dana immediately said, well, what do you think they should be? If I step away for 30 days or 60 days, that's not a punishment. That doesn't affect me. I could have left in 2016. I don't need to do this. It wouldn't punish me if I stepped away. It would punish the business. It would punish the fighters. It would punish the UFC. It would punish the company, all that. And boy, oh boy, could I not disagree with that more. And I thought that was very short-sighted on his part. I thought that was very egotistical on his part. I thought it was somewhat manipulative. manipulative, That's the word I'm looking for. I thought it was a little bit egotistical. And while I gave him credit for a lot of things that he said, I did not agree with that at all. I thought he definitely should have gone a different direction with that. And that to me was the most sour thing of all. And I, I, I'm, I'm not ripping anybody that was there. I, I'm, I'm really not because they didn't know Dana was coming. They didn't have any chance to prepare. And I think that was, I think there was probably a smart reason for that. Like, let's not tell anybody that I'm coming. Let's still give them the opportunity to ask me questions, but let's not let them truly prepare for it. When Dana said that, I, I really, John Morgan takes, gets the first question, not just because it's like a gimmick or a thing. I have covered many events with John Morgan and John Morgan is the quintessential professional table setter. Like John will ask the questions that need to be asked, but he does it with a specific purpose, gets everything on the table. But when John finishes up his round of questions, he does such a great job of asking the right questions that lead to opportunities to follow up. And I, I was stunned that nobody asked him how his walking away would punish the company. I would love to, to hear why he feels that way. Is it a business thing? Like, and, and I mentioned this exact thing. Like, if you guys ever watched the show Sons of Anarchy, Sons of Anarchy, they are like gun, they're like a gun running motorcycle club. They sell guns to criminals, and that's how they make a lot of their money. And they have this deal in place with the IRA. And at one point, they're trying to make this big, massive deal to sell weapons to a cartel. And the guy who was running the deal, representing the IRA, said, I understand this is going to make money. I don't trust these guys. But if Clay, you're there, who was like the former president, did a bunch of awful things. If you're there, I'm cool with the deal. But if you're not there, then I'm not going to do the deal. So I don't know if it's like something like that, where some of the sponsorships, some of the business deals they have in place are only in place if Dana is involved. So I don't know any of that. But in terms of the actual business itself, in terms of the actual fights and the promotion and all of that, I don't think they need him right now. He could walk away for a month or two months or six months or a year and nothing changes. Nothing changes. The fights will go on as scheduled. The promotion will go on as is. Everything will happen the way it's supposed to. Dane is not making the deals. He's not really out there promoting the way he did back in the day when they were trying to establish the business and the sport. He's just kind of there. 
yeah, he's the face of the organization, but the machine is so well built and what runs so well from a production standpoint that no one, I just don't think it makes that much of a difference if Dane is there or not. I really don't think so. And this whole thing of this is my punishment, this is my repercussions, this right here of answering your questions and the video being out there and me having to deal with this, that's all well and good. He's not wrong about that, but it's just not enough. It's just not enough. And again, credit to Dana for stepping up to the plate and answering questions. There were things he said that I absolutely don't agree with. There were certain times in there where it looked a little strange. And I look, this was a plan thing. It was smart to do. But again, we're not, we weren't looking for that. We weren't looking for Dana to come up and answer the questions. I respect him for doing it, but we, we're not looking for him to do it. We're looking for the UFC to say something. We're looking for Endeavor to say something. We're looking for someone to do what everybody else in the world of sports would do. Come out and say, we don't condone the actions. We're not asking for anything crazy. We're not asking anybody to come out and be like, we're going to fire Dana White. We're going to remove him from his position. You have a whole group of senators and high-ranked politicians who certainly want him gone. That's a very big deal. The Women's Caucus in California writing that open letter to Ari Emanuel asking for Dana's job. That's a huge deal, ladies and gentlemen. You may not think so. You may have looked at that headline and been like, who? Who is that? Go look at their website. Go look at all the people attached to that group. The amount of power in that group. Go look at it. And that's just one state. What if other states do the same? That's massive. That's a huge deal. And most of us in the media have not asked for this. What we have asked for is the companies just to come out and just say something about it. We've talked to Dana. We don't condone the actions. I know Dana's saying to himself, nobody's happy about this. That's great that he says it. I want everybody else to say it. I want the UFC to say it. I want Endeavor to say it. We don't condone this. We don't, this is not the type of story we want attached to us. We don't agree with what he did. We're handling repercussions behind the scenes. We've told Dana he has to do some counseling. He's going to do a PSA. He's going to pay fine. Like, these are the things we're looking for. We're not asking for his head. We're not asking for his job. We're asking for these companies to say something. And that's not asking a lot. Like, this is not a controversial thing I'm saying. This is what would happen in any other sport. We've seen incidents, incidents with the Dodgers recently. They're putting out public statements. We don't condone what Trevor Bauer did. or He's gone. Like, that's all we're looking for. Some sort of response. And the, my biggest worry of all of this remains the same. What happens, and it's, ladies and gentlemen, I hate to put out the negative juju, but it's going to happen. It is going to happen 1,000%. It is going to happen. What happens when this happens with the fighter? What happens 
when somebody who works for the company gets in the same type of situation? Are you going to just ignore it too? Are you going to respond? What if it's, what if it's a lower level fighter? What if it's a guy who just got a contract out the contender series? Are they going to be immediately expendable? What if it's a big star? Because you've already put it out there. You've already set the precedent and put it out there that if it's good for business, if it will disrupt the business, if it will hurt the company, how can we punish them? Because it's not punishing the fighter, it's punishing the company. Like, you're putting that out there. And it's going to happen. And how are you going to respond to it? Because if you punish the fight, the next fighter who is caught on video hitting a woman or his fiance or gets into some kind of skirmish and does something horrible, and you actually punish them, like... What what kind of message does that send? I, I just and for all the people out there, and I know Ariel talked about this yesterday. We just said, "I'll oh, get over it." It's a private thing. It's not a private thing. It's we've seen the video. It's there for the world to see. It's not a Dana White was arrested in Cabo for allegedly doing this. No, we've seen it. It's there for the world to see. He's telling everybody not to defend him. He's saying this. People are still tripping over their own shoes, tripping over their own shoelaces to still defend this guy. But I do want to address like one comment that I've seen a lot, and it's not just for me, it's for everybody else. Oh, you guys are loving this right now. You're loving this. This is great. You've been waiting for this moment to take Dana down. It's literally the worst take of the year. You think I want to be talking about this? You think I want to start off every show talking about this story? No. But you have to. It's the biggest story in combat sports right now. By a mile. Nothing is close. Nothing is close. And what people are asking for, not a lot. We're asking for the same thing you would see in every other sport. That's it. So again, credit to Dana, respect, going up there and facing the music. But what? when will the UFC face the music? When will Endeavor face the music? The fact that the stupid slap fight league is still going to happen is just awful. It shouldn't be happening to begin with because it's just one of the dumbest ideas in the history of the world. But just a couple of weeks after this, it's just, I mean, how could you allow this to happen? I, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand. But you guys have more about this. Happy to talk about it. You want to talk about the card on Saturday? Cool. We want to talk about AJ McKee resigning with Bellator, the Bellator Lightweight Grand Prix, which all the matchups are now officially set. I mean, we know AJ McKee is going to fight Patricky Pitbull now after the other three fights have been put together. We just don't know when and where that fight's going to happen, but we know that's the matchup now because what else could it be? There's eight fighters. Three fights are already on the books. There's only two guys left, so we know who's fighting. We just don't know when yet. So we can talk about that. We can talk about Habib. Uh, my interview with Eric Nixick just dropped. 
uh, talking about Francis Ngannou and his situation, him feeling that a fight with John Jones, March 4th, probably 50-50 at this point for multiple reasons, from the business side, from the just recovery side and being at the mercy of rehab, all of that stuff, whatever you guys want to talk about, we will talk about. So let's get into it. Four Corner Sports was first in line, so we'll begin with him. Hello. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Good. Hey, so I wanted to focus you about a couple of things. Um, I guess I'll start off with the whole Dana White thing. Um, one thing that popped into my head after he brought up about how he's going to have to deal with the consequences about him slapping his wife, one thing that brought up, um, came into my head is he said that he let go of Dan Hardy for mistreating women. And to me, I'm like, you know, so what's going to happen if somebody mistreats, you know, somebody within the company and somebody had, I don't know who asked him, but he said that he didn't reach out to any fighters because it was a family matter. And I just wanted to know, like, how does that, you know, what did you take of that? I felt like somebody of his stature, you know, and I think Ariel um, said it well, that when you're younger, you're told that if you make a mistake, Yes, you know, you have to live with what you did, but you also face the consequences as well. And, you know, he, I think, may have done that press conference just to get it over with. But the story isn't going away. I mean, I'm seeing he's trending on Twitter. I don't know if it's on my personal um, on my personal feed or is it on the, on the, on the on Twitter in general. But I'm seeing a lot of people, you know, what's the goal done? Tweeting about him, um, celebrities, you know, athletes. I wonder how would it be if, like, other athletes from different sports, like LeBron James was asked about this. I see people saying that, you know, Kyrie got so much, you know, slack for what he said. Um, and you don't see anybody talking about Dana White in, in that type of sense. And then also I wanted to talk about um, one of the fights for this weekend, Jimmy Flick versus Charles Johnson. How do you expect that fight to go about? I mean, this is Jimmy Flick's first fight since he retired. And um, if Jimmy Flick wins, how many fights do you think he might need to fight in order to be in, like, number one contention? All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, I honestly, I wish I had a good technical answer for you, but I honestly have no idea. (laughs) Uh, We don't know what Jimmy Flick is going to show up. I mean, this guy was kind of on top of the world. He was surging. He had a ton of momentum. And then he just, out of nowhere, left, retired, did it for his family. And then, you know, he told me that him and his wife are, I think they're divorced or they're separated or I I think they're divorced. Their relationship's over. I know that. And that sort of led to this, this comeback. And... I don't know what he's been doing the last couple of years. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know how much he's been training. I don't know. I'm sure he's been doing some training. I'm sure he's been coaching a little bit. I, I'm. Let me look at the odds here because this is a big topic of conversation earlier where the betting lines are just so massively swung towards Charles Johnson. Where we at? All right. They kind of evened out. They haven't evened out, but they're not – where they were a couple weeks ago. Johnson's a huge favorite. Minus 340. Jimmy Flick plus 280. 
I mean, to me, it all comes down to, I mean, th- this is just not knowing what Jimmy's been doing, but this fight goes to the ground. Jimmy's got a really good chance. If Jimmy can't get him down and create that chaos that, that has made him successful, then Charles could win. I don't know. It's going to be a good fight. I, 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 if I'm looking at it from like a betting perspective and you're giving me nearly plus 300 on Jimmy Flick against a lot of guys at 125, even some of the guys who are ranked right now, I'd probably take it. I know there's a lot of questions about him, but I think some of the stuff that made him successful are still going to be there, just natural stuff. So, yeah, should be a good fight. We'll see what happens. And then, yeah, the Dana stuff, like I said earlier, it's um, he hasn't had a lot of there just hasn't been a lot of pressure on him. Like I keep going back to, I keep going back to a call we took on the show last week where someone said that this was being blown out of proportion. And I just, I could not disagree with that more because it's, it hasn't gotten enough attention in the realm of sports. It just hasn't. And Like I said, any other sport, this is handled completely different. This is a fighter, this is handled completely different. If this is... If this is Sean Shelby or Mick Maynard on video, they're gone. Like, they are gone. And the UFC is releasing statements and Endeavor is releasing statements. No questions asked. This is handled differently. But because it's Dana, it's not handled the same way. And that's a lot of my issue here. The company's stance would be vastly different if it wasn't Dana. And that's it. And yeah, maybe, look, we've had big-name celebrities talking about this. Jamie Foxx, we've had Noriega, there's others that I'm missing for sure. But it's going to take more of what we saw from the the women's advocacy group in in California. It's going to take senators. It's going to take politicians. It's going to take very powerful people to make this happen. And if you get groups like that from 20 to 30 states putting that pressure on the company, you can't ignore that. You You can't. Then you can create some sort of change. But I don't think people understand how big of a deal that is to have a well-established group of senators, politicians, assemblywomen writing an open letter like that to Ari Emanuel. And just seeing how Ari has acted about things like this in the past. Again, we're, I, again, we're not asking for a lot. We're just asking you to respond to it. It doesn't even have to be a whole thing. Just a couple sentences. We've seen the video. We've talked to Dana. We absolutely do not condone the actions of Mr. White. He's going to take counseling. He's going to pay a fine. He's going to do a PSA. And it is our hope that nothing like this ever happens again. What is so bad about that? What is so egregious about a state about releasing a statement like that? What is so bad about asking 
for the company to have an actual stance on this. I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand the pushback to media members asking for that. I don't get it. I don't understand. You know, we bring up Roger Goodell all the time, but to Arrow's point, Dana White's not the commissioner of the UFC. He is the president of the UFC. He's almost like the owner of a team. If this is Mark Cuban, if this is Mark Cuban, would this would it be handled the same way? One billion percent not. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This would be the biggest story. This would be the top story on every website in the world if this was Mark Cuban. And I go back to Tuesday's show where I told you about conversations I had with my friends who work in sports, whether they're media or front office people or teams in different sports. And they all basically said the same thing. You are who, we, we throw out the dentist screen line, you guys are who we always thought you were. MMA, the UFC is always what I thought it was. We're laughing at you. One person told me that the sports world, their sport, people involved, the media, players, etc., are laughing at us because of how this is being handled. There you go. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's go to Ani. What's up, man? And um, so I would like to gather my thoughts. Give me a quick second. So, yes. So the first thing that I wanted to um, start off with, <clears throat> I mean, I know that, you know, I'm, it might be a bit negative and a bit sad, but um, it's it was really difficult to hear of Victoria Lee's uh, passing. I haven't, uh, I didn't, I'm not aware of the entire story yet. Um, was there any release on the reasons behind it or anything? Um, have you seen anything? No? This is not the only no, question. Nothing made okay. public. No, no, nothing public. Yes, I mean, I sincerely hope, I don't know if you've seen my tweet, but I sincerely hope it's nothing related to, you know, uh, a mental health issue or her taking her own life because of late we've seen, I mean, I, mean, I have noticed a couple of... Um, cases where uh, people have taken their own life and I just hope but but that doesn't mean uh, you know 
I'm going to be happier if it's something else. It's sad anyway. I just, you know what I mean, right? I just don't want it to be a case where uh, uh, she decided to take her own life. But uh, moving on, um, I'm going to talk about talk a little bit about the Dana White issue. And uh, I don't know if AK is over here, but it's all right. I'm going to leave you and AK with a riddle. I mean, I'm going to uh, propose a matchup. Um, but I'm going to leave it as a riddle for you to guess it. Does that sound good? So about the Dana White situation with the TMZ and stuff, I have this weird theory. I think what might have happened was, uh, you know, the video, if you look at it, it's, it, it looked like a security footage. So what I think someone might have noticed this happening, someone from TMZ or someone who, you know, who 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 just wanted to screw Dana White, or maybe just someone from TMZ just saw this happening. They pulled up the security footage, and they might have told Dana White that you know, dude, here's the video. Uh, you better give us the first interview. You know what I mean? Because when you look at the people from TMZ who were actually taking the interview, it seemed like they had everything set up. They were in the studio and they were ready. You know, everything was as if you know they were expecting this to happen. And even the way the video was trimmed, it it was the exact event, if that makes sense. As in, they know they they would they just knew when to start recording, or they just knew when to you know the exact uh, uh, timestamps of uh, the video. So that's a weird theory I had in mind. But again, uh, it was a bit surprising to see him give a statement to the media. But what I think would be great would be for, like you said, the UFC and Endeavor to release a statement saying, you know, Dana is going to be taking a sensitivity training and maybe for the next six months or for the next six to eight months, his you know, 50% of his salary or his entire check would be going to a, a domestic violence survivors association or, you know, something that can actually be quantified, something that can actually be um, something that can be written on a paper, not just, you know, him guilt tripping himself and, you know, uh, talking about his conscience, which in itself is way more heavier than uh, money. Uh, that's what I had in mind. And about the fight. So here is the thing. Although this veteran had, although this veteran had an amazing performance in December, he still needs a fight to build up a fight to build himself up and his opponent after the way he got screwed he could use the veteran's name uh can you guess the fight mike and thank you very much uh for the opportunity and i look forward to speaking to you soon thanks man i will uh admittedly i will re-listen to that and go through the riddle uh a little later uh, for for time's sake, but I'm sure it's a fun matchup knowing you. Um, look, I don't think there's a theory here at all. I think it's pretty obvious how this whole thing happened uh, with TMZ. There is maybe not an official partnership between the two entities, but there is certainly a relationship there. And this was Dana and, let's be honest, the UFC's this is their PR move. This is their PR move. And 
I don't know how it all worked. I don't know. My, one of my questions is, how many videos are there? And why are we only seeing that one? I just don't believe that's the only video. I just, it's impossible. It's almost impossible that that's the only video. It's 2023. We're on our phones all the time. I'm literally holding my phone right now. You're telling me that of all the people that were in that club that night, only one person knew that Dana White was there and only that one person had a cell phone with them during that moment? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And again, I'm not trying to spit out conspiracy theories, but I, I just don't believe it. You're t I don't believe that there's nobody on that balcony that wasn't filming it. I don't believe it. But that's neither here nor there. But this was clearly a thing where someone got video. They probably hit up TMZ and said, hey, I got this video of Dana White. Because this person could have just put it on YouTube 30 seconds later and would have got a billion hits and this would be a much different story because it would have been handled a lot differently. But TMZ or Dana got a hold of this video before the public did. And they put this all together to do this interview. I mean, that's, that's exactly what happened. And TMZ fed him a bunch of softballs. This is all planned out. This is probably all scripted. I'm sure both sides knew what questions were and responses that were going to happen. I mean, it's, it's clear. It's obvious. I'm not saying anything out of turn. It's 1 million percent obvious what happened. And that's how it was handled. I mean, I, I, that's probably, TMZ probably found out. They probably bought the rights to the video. That person made some money. And they probably called Dane on the phone and said, hey, I got this video of you. Let's do an interview. So everyone can get the most out of this. I mean, that's just what it seems like to me. Because when it, when it, Again, bringing up Mark Cuban. What if somebody sent a video to TMZ with Mark Cuban doing this? You think they would have called Mark Cuban on the phone and said, hey, Mark, buddy, got this video of you and your wife. I'm going to release it, but like, let's do an interview. Let's get the Mavericks PR people on the phone and let's set this all up uh, to make us all look good. No, they would have released that shit in five seconds. So, I mean, that's that. I mean, th th there's no theory here. It's just, it is what it is. And it was proven by the UFC when we asked for a statement and they said, refer to the TMZ interview. That's the statement, essentially. So that's everything you need to know about that. I mean, all this is right there. Again, I'm not saying anything controversial or completely out of turn. It just, this is what it is. And double A, I'll get to you in a second, but hold on one second. Uh, what I will say is it's not, it's smart. Like th this is, it was a smart move to do it that way. It was a smart move to do it that way to help. Cause the goal of all this very involved is not to, it's for this to go away. That's what the UFC and Dana and Endeavor and everybody wants. They want it to go away. And all of everything that is happening here is so that it will go away. 
And I don't think it's going to, but we'll continue on. Go ahead, Double A. How you doing? What's up? I'm all right. Uh, since this is um, a, a fight show, obviously, let's talk fights. What do you think of the matchup between Nate the Train and Alex Caceres? When I heard that, oh, I got so excited. I got so excited. All right, have a heck of a morning, Mike. Everyone else, have a heck of a morning. Have a great day. Take care of yourselves and peace. Uh, thanks, man. Yes, I did see the reports. Um, I've not fully confirmed this yet. Um, I will say I have half confirmed that fight. Uh, it's Nate Landwehr versus Alex Caceres, March 25th, UFC San Antonio. Great fight. Great fight. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, what else could I say? It's just, it's, it's a freaking banger. It's a great fight. Good for both guys. Makes sense for both guys. So, yeah. Uh, I'm still in the process of trying to fully confirm it, but from the responses I've gotten from the inquiries, uh, I'm told that that's probably what's going to happen March 25th. So there you go. Good little scrap right there at 145. Let's go to Emilio. What's up, man? What's up, Mike? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Hope that you've been having a great day so far. Oh, I mean, considering everything, you know, the whole Dana thing. Um, which is, uh, which is something that I wanted to start off with, um, going back to what you mentioned about just feeling very frustrated with all the people saying, uh, or, or the people that are claiming that this new story is completely blown out of proportion. I just like to add my two cents to that. I, I fully agree with you. And furthermore, I think that the people that say this, it's it's because guess what this n news is uncomfortable you know it's not it's not nice to hear that the company <laughs> that the sport or rather yeah that the president of the company of the sport or that hosts sports that we all know and love you know ha ha did this it's 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 not nice to hear it's not great to talk about we'd obviously rather be talking about the fights and the fighters and getting excited about about that about that which we all love and why we're here um but yeah uh, i i think sometimes the truth is uncomfortable and and that's good. It means that it's your brain telling you, okay, this is not comfortable to talk about. And that's exactly the reason why we need to talk about this. Like if something makes you uncomfortable, if something gets you out of your comfort zone, that's good. It needs to be talked about. And uh, and even though there is a part of me that is like, oh, yeah, this, there is obviously a part of me that's like, I'm just so over this already, but... I know that it's important that it stays relevant because 
otherwise you know it's like it it it's like it doesn't matter and it and it does it matters a lot because it it sets a precedent um so yeah anyways that's that's what i wanted to say about dana um and now moving on to other things uh well specifically regarding fighting fist fighting um i don't know about you mike but i am i mean especially with how the ufc card has been decimated like this uh weekend's card i'm super looking forward to the one uh championship card um you know alisov versus versus superbon i i went back and listened to the what's it called the promotional festivals that you and jed did great great uh plot by the way really enjoyed that one um i think that i agree with most of the stuff that you said you and jed said about one championship but the one thing that i i don't know i felt like maybe you from my perspective at least i the one thing that I feel like you guys miss about one or missing the point about one was that it's, you know, and I'm sorry, not sorry, AK. It's, it's basically mixing up the martial arts. You know, you got not only MMA, you got Muay Thai and kickboxing. So that means that it offers something different compared to the other promotions, which are, the majority, actually, all of them, pretty much, are just ex- exclusively MMA promotions. But I, I don't see that as a negative. I actually think that that's something positive, you know. Um, yeah, well, I, I do partly agree with Jet's take that they should drop kickboxing or Muay Thai. I mean, ideally, kickboxing because I mean, Muay Thai is basically like kickboxing, but you know, you get to throw knees and elbows and you get to work in the clinch a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I disagree completely with the idea that they should maybe like become solely an MMA promotion because there's so many people out there, so many fans that are, you know, fight sports fans that, you know, these are the classical types that are like, oh, yeah, you know, when, when they see, I don't know, some... I don't know some Dagestani fighting uh, another. I hear you, man. I got uh, I, I got a I got other people waiting, so I have to move on. But oh. uh, I'll respond to that if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, sure, no worries. Um, that's that, okay, that's man. basically. It. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, the main event for that is awesome. Can't wait for it. Uh, thanks for everything that you do. Uh, peace and love to everybody. Thanks, man. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I I do want to. I do have to get out of here pretty soon, so I want to try to get to everybody. Um, look, my, my issue with one is not what they're doing. It's how they perceive themselves in just such an unrealistic way. It just makes no sense at all. Like this, I appreciate what some of the things that they do from a competitive standpoint and from a combat sports standpoint. Like the DJ fight, that like the, the mixing of the martial arts, the different combats and the different rounds, like the different side, like that shit's great. I love it. I just want one to present themselves in a realistic way. I'm not asking a lot. This whole notion that 
we are 1B to the UFC is bullshit. It's bullshit. And we all know it. But they just, they don't change their tune at all. And yes, they have made some great moves. The Amazon Prime move was fantastic. It's huge. It's massive. It's, it puts them at a different position. 1,000%. But the attitude of the company does not change at all. The weight cutting thing is a absolute disaster. And we're dealing with it again today. Like, I haven't even seen all the details, but I'm seeing on Twitter, bunch of people failing hydration, missing weight, all this stuff. Like, come on, man. Like, we can't fix this already. It's the same thing every card. Like, these are the things that need to be fixed. Stop saying you are 1B to the UFC because you're not. You're not even number three right now. You might, you're, you're probably number four in the grand scheme of things with the way that maybe in your area, maybe in Asia, you are, you're up there. But in the, in the grand scheme of things here in North America, most of the world, you're not. To say, like, you won't co-promote with Bellator and PFL because it's beneath you, because it's not the UFC? Like, come on. It's the attitude of one that drives people away, not the fighters and the fights and the concepts of what they're trying to do. It's their overall attitude, that they're better than everybody else. Billions and billions of people are watching our show. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Like, just be realistic. Just be truthful. Like, promote the fact you do different things. Just say those things. We're not the UFC. We're not Bellator. We're not PFL. We do our own thing. We mix things up. We have these different fights and different concepts. Like, say that stuff. And I think more people will come on board. But this whole, it's us in the UFC. We're flip-flopping for the number one spot is just not true. It's just not true. And that's my biggest issue with one. And plus, they just don't promote anything anymore. They promoted the DJ Marias fight, that first Amazon Prime card. They promoted the hell out of it. People watched it. People watched the whole card, and they liked it. The aftermath, the follow-ups of everything, all great. It was a big event for them. And then they just stopped promoting things altogether. It's cool to have the platform, but you got to tell people things are happening. Nobody knew Roberto Soldich was even making his one debut before that past Amazon Prime card. Nobody knew because they didn't promote it. They just got to do better in just the normal everyday things. Tell people these events are happening. Be realistic. Like, at least Coker's not saying, like, we're the number one promotion. Even when, like, Coker talks about his roster as a promoter. I don't think he's, like, he at least creates debates at worst. What does he say? Our roster's as best as it's ever been, and if you took three or four of our guys to match up against three or four of the UFC guys in those divisions, I think we do pretty well. I don't think that's an egregious statement. But he's not coming out and saying like, oh, we're, we'll only co-promote the UFC because they're the only ones in our 
they're the only ones in our neighborhood right now. That's just, he's not saying that. He's not saying that. He's doing like classic promoter stuff, but you can't argue with that. Like you can have it, you can at least have a debate about some of the things that Coker says about Bellator. There are things PFL says that you can have debates about. There's things PFL's, the PFL brass says that makes no sense at all. So they're not out of this conversation either, but that's where we're at. That's all we want to see from one. I appreciate the product and what they're trying to do, but just be, be real. Be real. Keep it 100, as the kids say. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Viking, hello. Hello, Mike. Thank you for the opportunity, and I just uh, I just want to talk about uh, Israel Adesanya and the pay per view and the pay per views because you know I was searching for pay per view buys in 2022, and I got uh, the results. Um, uh, that Israel Adesanya sold the most pay-per-view, pay-per-view um, uh, which was uh, 600,000 uh, 600, uh, Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira uh, excluded uh, UFC 283. I couldn't find those pay-per-views. So Israel Adesanya should be respected for that and the other thing I want to talk about uh, Francis Ngannou because I saw his post on Instagram just recently and Francis Ngannou's mother, she was wearing a PFL t-shirt. So do you have uh, any sort of insight about uh, Francis Ngannou going to going into the PFL? And, uh, that's it. And New York Rick, big fan. Thank you, Mike. We're all big fans of New York Rick. The pay-per-view buy thing, I mean, I'm sure 281 did really good. Um, that card is really great. I mean, that was a great main card on paper, so I assume it did well. I don't, tr- I don't know if I necessarily trust the numbers that you're seeing because a lot of those numbers just aren't public. 
just not public since they went to the ESPN plus model, which is honestly like not, I mean, that's not, that's pretty smart. I would, I mean, but honestly, like 600, 700,000 buys for 281, that wouldn't shock me. They'd be right around where I would think that thing would go. Um, but I don't know how true they are. And I don't know where those people are getting the numbers from. So, but yeah, I'm sure that one did, did pretty solid. It was probably one of the best ones of the year for them. As far as Francis goes, we've talked about it on this show a bunch. Uh, I know Ariel talked about it yesterday. Um, there is an interview that is on MMA Fighting right now with Eric Nixick, the head coach of Francis Ngannou, who sort of weighed in on that. And uh, Francis is currently in Cameroon right now. He spent the holiday with his families. He had to get his, uh, his visa renewed before he can come back. And he's... Not a for, like he's not an outright free agent yet. Um, I know Francis said something around January twentieth is when like the date runs out. And what Eric said was he got to work with Francis a little bit, just the two of them, before Francis went back to his home country. Said Francis looked great, moving around great. He was bouncing around. Said his energy levels were great. Said that he said things such as, "Oh man, I'm back. I miss this shit." And it boosted up Eric's energy as well. And then I, of course, asked him straight up about where we're at with, with John Jones in March 4th. And he said it's 50-50 in his eyes. He thinks it's 50-50 that fight happens March 4th. Not just from the contract and the business stuff, but the dude just had major knee surgery less than a year ago. And... He admits March might be cutting it a little close to March 4th. But he also said if the UFC called them that day and said, or in Francis called them and said, hey, we're fighting John Jones March 4th, they will have him ready if that's the case. But seemed Eric, it, it seemed like what I got from Eric, and he said it in the interview, seemed like April or May may be a little more realistic. But if Eric gets a call from Francis or Francis's manager and says, hey, we're doing this March 4th, then it is his job to do everything in his power to get Francis ready for March 4th. So his eyes, it's John Jones. When? Not sure. If it's March, 50-50. He thinks maybe April, May, a little more realistic, but he doesn't know anything about the contract side or anything like that, but he is kind of privy to what's going on, obviously, because he talks to Francis. But that's where we're at. No PFL deal. There's he's not a free agent. He's not free to go and talk to anybody he wants to talk to right now. He's kind of in the same place he's in. Recovering. Everybody seems to watch John Jones fight. We've talked about it on the show for months now that talks seem to be going well from both sides. There is confidence that the fight will happen. March 4th is the one everyone's targeting. And we'll see if it does happen that day, if it happens a little bit later down the road. There is one thing Ariel said that I completely agree with, though. And you guys may agree with this or not. If Francis can't go March 4th, John Jones needs to fight March 4th. I don't care who it's against. It's got, you, you, he's got to fight on that card. You can still do Francis after. But if John's ready to go March 4th, if Francis, for some reason, needs, a, needs another month or two, which you can't blame him for because he tore his 
all the CLs, the MCL, the ACL, all ripped out, still fought Cyril Gaon with that injury. John needs to fight March 4th. Whether it's against Curtis Blades or Cyril Gaon or whoever, he needs to fight on that card. You want to do an interim or Stipe? You want to do an interim title? Do interim title. I don't care. But if Francis can't go March 4th, John should go March 4th. Because right now, the two fights that have been rumored and targeted for March 4th don't look like they're happening anymore. Or at least there's a chance they might not. If you can get in Gano Jones, that's great. But if you can't, the other fight they were talking about was Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. And we saw what Aljamain Sterling had to say. March 4th, probably not going to work for him because of his torn bicep. Needs another couple, needs another month, maybe. What are you going to put on that card? Like, it's... We're less than two months away, so the, the clock's ticking. I mean, the clock is definitely ticking here. So, I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll take a few more rapid fire. Uh, because BTL is going off a, a little earlier today at 1230 with myself and Jed Mishu. Uh, I have five people in line. We got George, Torino, Evan, Australian Talk, and Abzwalia. We will get to all five of you, uh, but let's do this kind of rapid fire. George, hello. Hey, Mike. Uh, okay, thanks. And rapid fire, I just wanted to say right here on your show, what did I say? A humbled Dana is the best we can hope for. And this is... The quote-unquote humbled Dana that we saw at today's press conference. When Dana said that punishing him, really punishing him, would hurt the fighters, that was as truthful as the 1FC, um, the president of 1FC saying they have a billion viewers, okay? What Dana really meant to say is, punishing and really punishing him would hurt the company's bottom line that's the real reason why he hasn't been punished um endeavor ufc espn disney tbs they like having dana in charge they think he is their best option in terms of making money the bottom line it's got nothing to do with accountability it's got nothing to do with what the fighters want it's what is best for the bottom line. Until they find, until there's some pressure, some outside pressure, maybe some boycotts, maybe something that hurts the company line, the bottom line, then and only then will we get real punishment for Dana. And Mike, I will leave you with this. Proof of this point, today Monster Energy announced his sponsorship with the Power Slap League. It's all about the money, Mike. Follow the money. And please, what do you have for us, uh, Mike, in terms of the um, Adesanya Pereira uh, rematch? I cannot wait to see that rematch. Thank you. Uh, I had heard about the monster thing. Um, I have to say I'm a little surprised. But who knows? Like, it could just be like an added value thing because they – have a deal with the UFC, so I, I don't know the ins and outs. Um, I know Monster, we broke the news that they're now the official energy drink of one championship. Yeah, uh, I don't know what to say about that. I don't know what to say. I think that thing's going to tank badly. 
Like, I don't even think the, like the, the wrestling community is, even though they're getting ads. I watched AEW last night. Uh, I watched it until the main event was about to start. And then I was like, nope, not watching that. Kaka, I'm out of here. Um, but I saw multiple power slap ads uh, for that card and for, for next Wednesday. And I just don't care. I'm not watching it. We ain't covering it. So if you're like, well, I'm not going to watch this week because MMA fighting's got us. No, we don't. Nope. Not happening. Um, as far as the rematch between Prairie and Adesanya, no clue. I assume that's the direction they're going to go, but no idea when and where and timelines and all that. Evan. What's up, Mike? Just wanted to sort of add on to something that you were talking about there before with one championship. I like, don't get me wrong. I love one championship fights. They put on great quality fights, but their organization sort of coming off as like cocky and uh, like above everybody else. I just feel like not enough people are talking about how their weight cutting thing is like a, like you were saying, like a complete disaster. And some people are actually saying that they have fixed weight cutting. But if you watch their weigh-ins, which I know <laughs> they aren't very popular, but there's like five or six weight misses every, uh, every uh, weigh-in. And uh, yeah, it just feels like, you know, the only reason or the only way you can fix weight cutting is just by adding more weight classes. What they've done is added hydration tests so you have to be hydrated but also make weight so it just it just doesn't make much sense just wanted to get your opinion on that thanks mike yeah i mean i can't say it any better fix weight cutting my ass it's a disaster it's embarrassing it's embarrassing every card we get the emails it's just it's so ridiculous Fix it some other way. <laughs> the way you're doing it now sucks. Uh, let's go to Torino. Uh, then we'll go to Australian Talk and Abzualia. We'll close this out. Torino, what's up? Torino, are you there? Yeah. Yes, I am. I'm sorry. I was trying to get my mute bots in. Uh, Happy New Year, Mike. Uh, you too. Happy New Year, everyone. So, right, um, I'm going to go straight to it. Uh, I don't know how to put this nicely. I think it's um, it's quite unfortunate uh, that um, Dana White, who I, who I respect a lot, you know, I have a lot of respect for Dana, for what he's done for the UFC, you know, for how he's grown the business of um, mixed martial arts. You know how where he has positioned the UFC. I, I truly, truly respect him, but I think um, it's quite unfortunate that this particular incident will get swept under the rug. Domestic violence, you know, violence against women, it's a big deal. There, there are so many people who have suffered from this. I know people personally who have suffered from this. Uh, I, I'm in Nigeria. It happens quite a lot where you have the you have men who hit women, who kill women, you know, who who damage women, you know. And um, for this to happen, and for Dana White not to uh, for for it not to be seen that there is any repercussion or any punishment to this, 
uh, it, it will not speak well at all. I, I understand. I heard the press conference today, how he's gone out to say, you know what, the punishment is, you know, me having to carry this on my head. But you, if, if, a, if a man kills his wife, Mike, is the punishment for that man the fact that he has to wake up every morning remembering that he killed his wife? That is just a consequence of the action. That is not the punishment, you know. Uh, and this will send a very, very, very bad message, you know, to fighters, to fans, to other people who then should would believe that, you know what, I should be able to get away with hitting a woman. It's not right. It's wrong. It's despicable. But if it happens, then nothing, nothing, sh I, I should be able to get away without a punishment. You know, so I'll summarize by saying I respect Dana White a lot. But if I was in his shoes, you know, I, I know that, yeah, the money is important. I know that, you know, sponsors probably love Dana White. But if I was in his shoes, I would make, I would make it seem, you know, that I'm getting punished for this in a significant way, you know, just so that we can close this chapter, really. You know, because like I said, a lot of people on this call, myself included, you know, know people who have gone through, you know, this this violence. And it's not it's not it's not funny because people have died from it. You know, so it's a very serious issue, you know, that, that I wish he would take the punishment would be more serious. You know, and that's what I'll say. You know, I, I love the UFC a lot. I watch it every single time. I follow it so much. And this is just for me, it's hard. You know, because my, my friends see this and they ask me, oh, I heard the, the president of Dino White is hitting his girl, his wife. You know, what was, what did, what was done to him? And I'm saying, uh, nothing. You know, it's hard to defend this. I, I'm not defending his actions, but it's hard to defend the fact that there is no punishment to this. You know, that's what I really wanted to speak about. Thank you. Hey, listen, you're, you're not the only one that feels that way. And like I said, it's not just the precedent that it sets that you're basically opening the door to say, Hey, the face of our company on video is in this situation and he's not being punished. So if another fighter does it, it's the same thing. It's hard to justify punishing them. And the big issue that I had with what Dana, the biggest issue I had with what Dana said yesterday was me leaving doesn't punish me. It punishes the business and it punishes the fighters and such a miss in my eyes. I think that was just, just not true. And you're basically setting a precedent that if you, if you're, if, pun if punishing you hurts the business, then you probably shouldn't be punished because we don't want to punish the business. It's not a punishment to you because especially if it's a big star and you're making a ton of money and you're set up. Well, it's not a punishment to you. It's a punishment to everybody else. It's a punishment to the fighters on the card that you were supposed to fight on. Like it's just, it's just a bad reason. And again, all we've, all we've asked for is for the UFC and Endeavor to come out in public and just say what he did was wrong and we don't approve of it. This is and this is the steps we're taking. He's got to do counseling. He's going to sit out for a couple months. Slap fights over, although that's not going to happen. But even even if you don't even say that, just say 
He's going to do counseling. He's going to do this. He's going to donate money and work with DV charities. And he's going to cut a PSA. Like these aren't like, no one's asking for him to be like removed from the position. Just show you give a fuck. Like that's all we're asking for. And that's not a lot. We don't condone his behavior. Domestic violence is wrong. Why can't you just put out a three-sentence statement saying that? I, it blows my mind. Blows my mind. All right, we'll take two more. Australian talk real quick, and then we'll go to Absolia. Are you there? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks, man. Uh, sorry, just dropped out for a second. It's 3 a.m. here in Australia, and we haven't got the best internet. We're not Japan. But aside from that, uh, we've got Islam, who's meant to be coming to the land down under to take on our serious champ, man, Volkanovski, the pound for pound. Like, this is a serious fight, gentlemen. And I know Mike Heck is seriously pumped up about this and all the boys at MMA fighting love his all. The question is, Volkanovski, man, he used to play rugby here down under and he used to be a front rower, which is hardcore playing against big Samoans, big Tongans, all weighing like 250 pounds. And he used to go well. Is he going to go okay against Islam? I think he's going to do well, man. I, I think he's a tight little package. He's fast. He's fast on his feet. Who can forget when he got out of Otoga's triangle, man? And then Otoga jumped on another one, and he got out of that, and he came on top and smashed him. That's one point. Aside from that, John Jones. I'm tired of UFC fighters depriving us, the fans, of serious fights, man. We've missed out on so many good fights over the last decade, right? John Jones was never game enough to take on Anthony Johnson in his prime. Cormier fought the best. John Jones didn't fight him. So who has John Jones got to fight? He's got to fight Stipe, yeah? He's got to fight Francis, yeah? Man... John Jones evaded the light, the heavyweight champ when Velasquez was the man. Okay? I understand John Jones is great. I've got his highlights real. I watched everything. I watched what he did to Shogun back in the day. I know he lost to Matt Hamill through a technicality. But John Jones, mate, your legacy, bro. You didn't need to get to 255 pounds to start taking on these dudes. Chael Sonnen stepped up as a 185-pounder and he fought Fedor in Bellator at heavyweight. Has John Jones been robbing the UFC fans about opportunities? Same with Connor. Same with plenty of dudes. These guys haven't been fighting three serious challenges every single year. I've had enough. I want them to put in some type of tournament. If they don't fight three times a year, unless they're injured, mate, they're not stepping up to the plate. They're not taking on every single challenger, aside from that Volkanovski. I was just watching Islam. Islam's jumping into snow water. It's freezing. He's running to the sauna. He's coming out of the sauna, and he's doing snow angels in legitimate snow. What do we think, gentlemen? All the best. Love you, Mike. Thanks, man. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, a journey through John Jones's mind would be a 
pretty fascinating trip. But I don't know. There are a lot of injuries, and if John doesn't want to fight, then if he just wants to build his body and he wants to do it the right way, then who are we to, to judge, you know? The sport, like, we, we talk about John, but... I don't know. I, I think the majority and, and part of me kind of feels the same way. Like I've, I've tried to be positive and optimistic about it, but I think it, I know AK has talked about this. I kind of, and I think a lot of us here probably feel the same way at this point. John Jones coming back and fighting is, 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 is the cherry on top of the Sunday. Like I don't, I'm getting to the point where I need to, like, I'm not going to believe it till he's in the octagon. I'm still trying just from conversations that I've had with people behind the scenes. Like, I feel like we're heading in the right direction more than we have been in the last couple of years. Um, but we're getting there. We're getting to that Nick sort of Nick Diaz territory where, you know, every few months we get a rumor about Nick Diaz coming about, back and fighting somebody. And then even to the point where we get a fight on the books and then it just doesn't happen. So I have at least prepared myself for a world without John Jones. Um, but like I said earlier, if Francis, you know, from a physical or a physical or a, from a business standpoint, can't fight March 4th, then John needs to fight March 4th against anybody. I don't care who it is. But Blade's gone, Pavlovich. Even if you want to do like a tie to Ivas, I don't care. But he needs to fight on that card. If Francis can. But we'll see what happens there. All right, Abzualia, take us home real quick because I, I got to go. What's up, Mike? What's up, How are you doing? All right. So um, I have just two questions to ask you quickly. Uh, I'll make it quick. The first uh, question is uh, I have is um, what's next for Vicente Luque? Because, you know, he's a bit of a tight spot right now in the welterweight division. And my second question is what's next for Hamza? Is he his bout with Covington still possible or is he planning to make a move up to middleweight and possibly fight maybe Jared Cadnier Whittaker? Thanks, man. Have a good day. No clue with Hamzat. He's a big mystery right now. Um, I've been very vocal. I want the Covington fight. I think that makes all the sense in the world. Um, and that's just a massive fight. And guess what? We talked about March 4th. We talked about how the fights that have been targeted, at least rumored to be on that card, the two title fights. One seems like it's definitely not happening. The Sterling Cejudo fight, if, if that's the direction they're going. And even Ngannou's head coach said March 4th seems 50-50 for Ngannou versus John Jones. So if you can't get John or Ngannou or anything else, like I think Colby, Hamzat Colby would be... That's a main. That's a that's a main event fight, for sure. That's gonna put asses in seats, for sure. So that that could be an option as well. They're gonna have to make some kind of decision soon because it's January twelfth. That card is March fourth, and we have nothing in terms of main events, co-main event, title fights, etc. We have nothing, nothing on the books. Maybe by next Saturday when. 283 happens. Maybe we'll get some sort of news, but who the hell knows at this point? Uh, to answer the Volk question, dude, Volk, Makachev Volkanovsky rules. That fight's going to be super fun. Uh, I do think Makachev's going to win. Um, 
but it would not surprise me if if Volk won. Luke, dude, give me Kev, like do Kevin Holland when he's ready to come back. That's a fun ass fight. Um, yeah, it'll be somebody like that. Fringe top fifteen guys, somebody on the come up, someone in the in in that realm, perhaps. I don't know. Him and Semmelsberg would be fun after watching the Jake Matthews fight. So yeah, a lot of fun options for Luke A, but probably needs to take a little bit of a step back. So, all right, we are done. Uh, got to get this all up on the podcast network because 1230 Eastern, about an hour and 12 minutes from right now, as you're hearing me live, uh, BTL, we'll talk about some of the stuff we talked about here a little more in depth, myself and Jed Mishu doing a little talking head show. Uh, a lot of people seem to like that format. So we're going to keep doing it for a little while. So join us then live on the MMA fighting YouTube channel. We'll be back on this show tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. We got weigh-ins tomorrow because the UFC is back on Saturday. So seems like things are somewhat getting back to normal. It is a fight week, um, but we can't forget about the big news and what has gone on with this whole thing. So I appreciate you guys checking out the program. See you tomorrow morning. Appreciate you. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.